G'day folks and welcome to episode 8 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall and this podcast is brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. Bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. Episode 8 features one of Australia's most experienced and dedicated bookkeepers, Pam Chilman. Pam has a story that transcends the recent journey itself of bookkeeping here in Australia. This episode explores incredible insights and wisdom that I believe will be helpful and more critically crucial for anyone who does the books, including those new to the community, bookkeepers experienced and small business owners finding their way. Pam talks about the dangers of always saying yes and when to say no, how so many options exist within bookkeeping and how she discovered one of those options and took it to the next level, very successfully, I might add. We talk about the challenges of growing a business, about nervousness, about Olympic connections, and we examine how champagne can be a real game changer when it comes to bookkeeping. I invite you to enjoy episode eight, Pam Chilman. My guest today is somebody who has lived the journey of a bookkeeper for a very long time now and has been a strong advocate of the professionalism of bookkeeping and the development of the bookkeeping community throughout that extensive time. Today's guest has been involved with the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers as a member since its inception and is both a fellow of the Institute and a life member. And she's got a very low member number that we're going to talk about in a moment as well, but... Our guest today, in my opinion, is very much the bookkeeper's bookkeeper and um, has an amazing story to tell. Pam Chilman, welcome to Heart of the Bookkeeper. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here and have a chat. I know that you're a very private person and I've known you for a while now and I know that one of the things that you don't necessarily like is talking about yourself, but we can't wait to hear your story. So uh, we're so looking forward to this Let's get into it right from the start. This is the competitive bit that uh, I just can't move past, and I think you know me as pretty competitive. What's your ICB member number, Pam Jorman? Oh, it's fairly low, Rob. I should have checked that before we got on, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think already you're being very cheeky. I believe it's below 25, is that correct? Could be. Yeah, you. <laughs> I can. We Pam and I had a conversation in over a meal in a restaurant in Canberra about eighteen months ago, and I was very boldly telling everybody around the table that I was member number twenty-five, and I thought clearly I had the lowest member number of anybody uh, at that table. But uh, Pam, very. Um, quietly revealed that her number is even lower than that. So, uh, Pam, I've got a bow to you. I, I haven't found too many with the lower member number. You know, here in Australia, we um, we lord, um, you know, like our cricketers with their baggy greens with their number on the side. I'm wondering if, you know, we should get an ICB cap or something so we can all wear our, our numbers proudly. But we, you became a um, member right from the start, though, in 2006, I believe. Yeah, and I always believe in supporting the profession, so very excited. And I guess I trained as an accountant, so I didn't really feel connected initially to the accounting profession. I was more interested in the bookkeeping side of things. So when 
bookkeeping associations first started out, particularly ICB, I found that I felt more aligned and could see mm. that uh, there was a lot of support in an area that, there, that was really lacking. So I was really delighted to jump in and I guess I have a tendency to jump into things and then work it out later. But I guess I jumped in early days and thought this looks pretty interesting and it's turned out to be fantastic. ICB is such a great profession to be involved with. And, yeah, just to meet others also in the profession and to attend their events, it's fantastic. It's funny you say that because I, that, that's absolutely the the feeling that I had when when the Institute first, I became first aware of the Institute around about the same time. And I just had this feeling like, yeah, this is this is me now. This is, you know, th- this is who I am, you know, a bit like you had been around for a while, fiddling around with tax and obviously accounting mm-hmm. software. But it's amazing what you just said, because that, that's definitely the, the emotion that I had when I first came across the Institute. I thought, this is my home. This is where I, you know, this is where I fit. So your revelation there has kind of stirred up a few memories of my own. When you prior to becoming, you know, one of the inaugural members of the Institute, had you tried to align yourself somewhere, you know, to to feel like you had a place or, or where were you at at that time? Yeah, I'd, I'd finished my accounting studies originally. Um, my father sort of pointed me in that direction when I really didn't know what I wanted to do in my college years. And I, I confess I failed tax law in the first session. <laughs> <laughs> I decided I wasn't going to be a tax accountant very early on. And I realised that whilst it was great to have the qualification, it wasn't really the direction I wanted to go. So I worked in accounting roles for a number of years, but ended up taking a break when our daughters were born and started working for a business colleague that I was introduced to through a friend when the da- our daughters were young And I discovered accounting software, I guess, at that stage and realised that was more the direction I wanted to go. So I I guess I just felt that was more the direction. I I liked that it was forward-looking. It wasn't sort of looking backwards like audit-type work. It was moving in a direction that I felt was really exciting at the time. Mm. And whilst accounting is still my foundation and, and still great to have that background... I felt more aligned with bookkeeping and hands-on and particularly the technology side of things because it was the early 90s, I confess, and it was when spreadsheets were very much more common or (laughs) paper-based records were far more common. Mm. And I even have in my archive cabinet, if you ever come to my office, a a Kalamazoo big green spreadsheet book that, you know, that <laughs> wrote, I think, that, and there was software software called CRAM before Excel spreadsheets, columns, rows, arithmetic and maths, I think it was stood for. And so, uh, yeah, probably showing my oh, age. That, <laughs> no, that's gold, Kalamazoo, there's a word. I think uh, on a previous episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper, we had uh, Leanne Berry telling us all about using a Gestetner machine. And, <laughs> Uh, we had to sort of unpack that one for the younger listeners. So uh, Kalamazoo, yeah, there you go. I'm wondering how many of the listeners out there right now are nodding their head going, yeah, yeah, I remember the old Kalamazoo. What, what was it about the Kalamazoo? You sort of had col- you had bits you tore off or something, wasn't it? Yeah, from memory, you or- yep, 
Yep, you had, yeah. had multiple copies of the sheets of paper and you had to buy it in bulk and then you'd tear it off and have one record over here. Oh, I'm so glad we're not doing that anymore. Rob. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recently uh, had a mass burning out at our farm of old stuff and I think there might have been a uh, few Kalamazoo sheets or two gone, go through the fire, so uh, with a little bit of pleasure, mind you. Um, so I, w- I really want to get into your journey a lot more into, especially into the bookkeeping zone, because I firmly believe that this this particular episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper has got so many insights that you're going to be able to give to, especially newer bookkeepers. And there's clearly traps that have gone with what you've sort of been through, and, and we'll get to those. But just a little bit about your early years. Um, mm. I know that, well, many of us who know you and, you know, you are well known in, in the bookkeeping community, but we tend to associate you with Canberra, but you weren't always in Canberra. You know, I mm. believe you started out a little bit further down the road or down towards the ocean uh, in a little place called Sydney. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. I grew up in Sydney and uh, my father had an opportunity to move to Canberra when it was when there was still a bit of development going on in the newer town centres. So family packed up and moved to Canberra while I was still doing my schooling and did my college years in Canberra and, yeah, just love the place, although it's a few too many hours away from the beach, I'd have to say, um, <laughs> and it gets a bit cold. That's why we t- tend to try and escape at this time of year to have a bit of a break, but... And we, we had a stint in Brisbane as well, but uh, found that Canberra was a great place to settle and have family around me still and lots of friends. And, yeah, it's, it's not a bad place. Sometimes people perceive Canberra as being a little bit of a government town, but that makes it interesting as well and lots of great people to engage with from the tax office and as well as software companies as well. So it makes it interesting. Yeah, really, it's the central heart. You know, we call the, this show's the heart of the bookkeeper, but Canberra's probably the heart of bookkeeping, really, mm. when you think about it, um, because of of what goes on around you. But the Sydney story, you know, going back to your young years, is are there things that still resonate with you growing up in Sydney, things that, um, you know, you kind of look back on and go, well, they influenced your life or was, was it a fairly sort of um, straightforward growing up years? No, it was fairly straightforward growing up. I mean, I had, um, I think I, I don't remember too much of my schooling days. Uh, I had a, had a few traumas in my younger years. Um, my mother wasn't well and, you know, I won't go into that too much detail. Um, but I guess it, yeah, we. I think Canberra holds fond memories for me, I guess, because I spent have spent most of my life here. And it was my sister who... Um, very close to in Canberra. She's still in Canberra as well. And she was actually the one that introduced me to accounting software originally. Right. Along with, yep. um, along with the business colleague I started doing some work for as well. I guess I first started looking at software like Attaché and a product called Sage originally. And they were larger systems to start with and were very difficult to get into for businesses and yeah my sister showed me one day when she was working at one of the IT companies I think she was working at the Apple Centre at the time and she showed me how 
using my financial background, maybe I could use something like a little product called MYOB, which only got <laughs> a Mac at that point in time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, data mm-hmm. tech, I think, was uh, was where it all started. Or Yep, yep. Yeah, Being best books. Yep, yeah, that's right. First account, <laughs> all sorts of names have gone through. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess it was at the early days of when my – the girls were young and I was looking and floundering and thinking what I could do with myself and uh, and probably, you know, a bit lost at that stage whether I decided to go into accounting or what should I do and had a wonderful opportunity to, to get involved with the product and put my hand up as I do and said maybe I'll try this out and I had uh, some great experiences with early days with products like the... I don't know, attaches of the world and even had one of the founders of MYB come and visit me and show me the product. So, yeah, you never know where things will go, do you, when you put your hand up? <laughs> you don't. You don't. And my memory of a few conversations we've had in the past is that those first few years when you sort of kind of went, well, I think this is my pathway, you had a number of challenges and that included um, your two beautiful girls um, whose names are Emma and Amy, is yeah. That right? Yeah, Emma and Amy. So those early 90s and stuff like that, times like that rather, did you, you, you were kind of mm-hmm. finding yourself struggling with being a mum and trying to be a businesswoman at the same time? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have to confess I actually never planned to go into business. <laughs> Uh, many people do have the, the plan and work it all out and have their vision, but I never planned to go into business and then I suddenly found myself at home with two young daughters and wondered what I was doing, <laughs> trying to, you know, work at home with them running around and just, you know, trying to decide which was the priority in life and ended up putting them in care a couple of days a week, felt, feeling very guilty about it. and But it was great. I found that was the best thing for me I because I found I was quite lonely at that point, not having too much adult interaction. So I really forced myself, I'd have to say, being a bit of a, a shy person, to actually try and get out of my comfort zone and go and meet some new people because... A lot of friends were doing different things. A lot of friends were stay-at-home mums and I just felt I wanted a bit of both, (laughs) a bit of business and a bit of home life with the girls. So I tried to work a couple of days a week and and juggle that with uh, the business side of and the, the home side as well. So I started going to networking groups and that was quite challenging when you're a shy person. But I just decided that I needed, if I was going to try and do this, I was uh, had to introduce myself to others and I did a lot of reading and finding out what the networking groups were and learnt about how to network. <laughs> you know, I, did, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to learn how to actually introduce myself and give people the one-minute spiel. <laughs> I can't remember what you call it now, the elevator pitch, isn't it? The, the elevator pitch, that's the one. <laughs> yep, and then um, I guess things started taking off because I was probably one of the few consultants in the ACT region who was doing it as a business. I remember somebody saying to me once, you know, 
when I felt very nervous and I, I, I didn't know how to network and somebody gave me some wise words and says, well, said, well, to me, why don't, you know, dress like you're successful and, and fake it till you make it, which I, <laughs> I just always think to this day, you know, I put myself out there sometimes and think, what have I said a yes to now? And well, you know, I'll just fake it until I make it. <laughs> I love that. That is that is gold. Fake it till you make it. I think I think for those who are listening in today who have just heard you sort of talk a little bit about the challenges of having, you know, two two young ones at home and and that feeling as you've put it, as a, a bit of a feeling of guilt, I guess, that you're mm-hmm. having to try and provide as well as you know, be a mum as well. That 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 is something that, as a guy, I haven't had to face, and I, I'm I'm I've heard a couple of our guests mention that, and I think that resonates with a large number, especially of the members of the ICB who are going through that right now. Were there was was there a turning point, Pam? Was there a moment where you kind of went, you know, I need to release myself, or, or how did you how did you ultimately deal with that challenge? Yeah, um, and it was it was challenging because looking back on it now, it was at a point in time too when uh, Hubby decided to also go out on his own in business as well. So two self-employed people and young kids at home, you know, you, you, you do have those challenges and it, it stretches the relationship and, and sometimes you just sit back and wonder what you're doing. Mm. And I guess what we decided was or what I realised I needed to do was I couldn't work from home any longer. I was finding it too claustrophobic and working from home and coming, you know, always being at home for me, I mean, it works for many people and we know now it's particularly challenging. I was just going to say, yes, it's it's like... It is the the thing of the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and I know working from home has its challenges. You just have to find ways to, you know, put those coping mechanisms in place, you know, going for walks and making a point of networking and going out when you can to see people. Uh, My daughter, one of my daughters at the moment is really struggling because of being exactly that, working from home. She took on a new job some uh, 18 months ago when at the beginning of when all of this, the lockdown started and never had an opportunity to settle into a job like you would normally do meeting people. So we forget about how important, well, maybe now we realise more now and appreciate more how important that social connection is, both in personal and business life. But looking back in answer to your question, I guess uh, taking on some office space, uh, really helped taking on some staff whilst it took on some financial commitment that really helped because it brought some dynamics into the organization made me accountable becoming listed or as a certified consultant or approved panel what, what we called originally early days there was uh, each software company had a had a term for for what it was well, I think we're a QC originally, weren't we? And as a as MYB consultants, I think that was the original term. Where it's CC eventually, a consul- yep. quality consultant became a certified consultant. I think from memory, we became certified, um, Rob, didn't we? we yep, we certified. did, <laughs> literally. <laughs> 
Yes. I think you're underestimating how great those insights are for a lot of people right now because I think we are all struggling with, Mm. well, firstly, that first question around the the mums who are trying to make their way with their bookkeeping businesses and have got young ones at home. Mm. Throw in the fact that they're working from home and even if they're school age, with these lockdowns, a lot of the them are having to work with the kids at home as well, you know, during times where you may have had some relief from that. So it is extra challenging at the moment. And just a few insights. It's an incredibly topical moment that you're raising because I've only just come out of um, an ICP meeting where we've been talking about exactly this. And I was sharing that um, my dad always taught me that you need to go to work the word was go to work and what he was emphasising was that, yeah, you can work from home in a lot of instances but he was certainly of an era and he probably instilled that in me that you're probably going to be uh, a little bit more productive if you go to work. Now, the strange thing is that research is probably showing the opposite now that a lot of people are are really excelling by working at home. Mm. So I think you've just got to find your right fit and clearly in your time, at that time, that was the the best thing for you, from what I'm from what I'm yeah. gleaning. So yeah. yeah, yeah. But moving a little bit further along, you've mentioned your partner, who I'm going to call out as a, a, a good friend of of mine, Chili, as we call him. But uh, Robert has a, there's a good <laughs> name too, by the way. Um, when did you meet Chili? I know he he prefers to go it go as Chili, doesn't he? So uh, he does. when did the the spice with chili start? There you go. That's oh, I don't know if I should confess more than the more yeah. things here. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a bit deep now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we met um, we met in Canberra. Um, although he's from Sydney as well, and yeah, construction industry background and um, great guy, very sociable. Keeps me on my toes. He's a reality <laughs> check to make sure not working too hard because. I have a tendency to uh, work too many hours. I work too hard and not smarter, as we say. Um, mm. It's not the way to go. I try to work smarter, not harder these days. But, um, yeah, he's um, he's my reality check because I do have a tendency to be very focused on what I do and um, take on too many things, as I guess many of us do. I'm a yes person and then turn around and go, did I really commit to doing that? How am I going to fit all of that in? But, you know, it's um, it's a good balance we have at times. <laughs> I, I obviously have got to know Chili a bit. He seems like he's chilly by name and chilly by <laughs> nature. In other words, he's very chilled, you know. He just seems to just life is just there to enjoy from what I've seen with Chili. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, in fact, we, we worked together in early days um, we, I'd set up an ABN because the first person I started working for after the kids were born, the daughters were born, um, required me to have an ABN, not an employee. So I used that ABN and Robert also traded under that at the same ABN when he started the business. So two business models inside the one ABN. But when you're both working uh, from home uh, it just didn't work longer term. So he realised the best thing for him was to be employed by somebody. He's got a good perspective on things. He really does 
have a good insight and I think that's why it works well because we realise what our strengths and, you know, weaknesses are and great to have someone to, to toss around ideas with. But when you're working together with your partner, living, sleeping, eating together, it's it becomes very... It becomes too much, and there was not there was nothing else to talk about except for work. It's too consuming. So, it was great for him to be headhunted, and he found um, some. He's had worked through some great uh, key senior roles in in the construction in related project management industry, and um, looks at what I do in the financial sector and goes, when I say I'm excited about something, or did you see this new app? or new technology, or <laughs> I did this great implementation this week and I got all these people excited about training and the financial sector is like, yeah, the word excited and finance don't quite go together <laughs> in the same sentence. Well, it's, we, we have such a similar journey, you and I, Pam Jordan, yep. because um, only the other night the my wife, who you know, Jackie, yes. is a uh, very long, long-standing nurse, been a registered nurse for... 30 plus years now and gets very excited about all the medical shows that are on TV. <laughs> and there's one that's being advertised right now that she is just leaping out of her skin to start called, uh, I think it's called um, Real Nurses or something like that. And I said to her when it was being advertised, I said, why don't they ever make a show called Real Bookkeepers? You know, I reckon that would be a good show. And she just sort of looked at me and went, yeah, right. Like anyone's going <laughs> to watch that. I'm like, why not? Why, you know, we do amazing things too, you know. <laughs> I know. We get excited yeah. by, you know, integration and yeah. we get excited about all sorts of stuff, you know. It's <laughs> whatever turns so on. There you go. I reckon you and I should um, approach some of the uh, the TV networks and get a show called, you know, The Real Lives of Bookkeepers or something like that perhaps, you know. And, so. And, you know, I think we should, maybe we should because, you know what, Rob, I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we do. We do. It's, it is it is a tough gig, I, I, you know, at the height of – COVID, you know, mm. we, we can't really say we're out of it yet. We're far from out of it. Mm. But at the height, especially last year with JobKeeper and mm. cash flow boost and all the stuff that was just, we were all trying to unpack it. I kept saying everywhere, you know, we're as much at the front line as anybody mm. right now because we were, yep. as bookkeepers, were effectively keeping the economy going to a degree. And uh, that's not to diminish anybody else that was doing anything, but bookkeepers were playing an extremely vital role. And I know at one point even ScoMo came out and did make some comment around that. So, so we do have a really important role in life, but I'm with you. Sometimes you've got to sit back and go, am I just maybe taking this a bit too seriously? And, you know, you just got to kind of breathe Stress in our industry is a very real thing. Do you remember, Rob, at um, a conference many years ago when we didn't take ourselves too seriously about a couple of skits that we did? And we laughed <laughs> at ourselves. <laughs> we laughed at ourselves. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it is very difficult to, to keep going some days when you're in the middle of, you know, we're like social workers sometimes for some of our clients. It's, it really can be quite challenging. We are frontline. But on the other hand, it's so important for us to be able to support our clients to be in the right headspace ourselves as well. We can't support our families. We can't support those that we're trying to work with if we're not in a good place ourselves. I know when I've had particularly stressful times, I've had 
a staff member pass away at a very young age suddenly and we just sometimes have our own stresses to deal with and we need to allow ourselves to, to catch our breath and, and look up away from those day-to-day things that, are, that might trigger other stresses. Otherwise, we're not no good to anyone, really. Exactly. Oh, very wise words there. In a world that just is completely upside down at the moment, the East Coast is, you know, plunged into horrible scenarios with lockdowns and COVID. Mm. Um, the rest of the world is just, you know, half the world's either on fire or there's just so many things going on in the world that your words just then are really important. You've just got to sometimes, yeah, literally just stop and breathe. And never assume that what people are showing you on the outside is really how they're feeling because with social media and the way I see many of us put ourselves out there at times that we're not always showing really how we are. Mm. In business, Mm. we're trying to look like we're coping sometimes. Um, Personally, we sometimes, I guess I refer to social media, people only post generally the the good pictures. Mm -hmm. And it's a reminder to check in on those who are maybe they haven't posted for a while. You haven't heard from them for a while because... I find when my friends and my family go quiet, that's when I wonder what's going on. So, mm. yeah, yeah, no, again, wise words. And I am a huge advocate of just that process around saying, Are you okay? I think that's mm. just, um, that is ring your family member, ring your, your friend down the road that you haven't heard from for a while and just simply check in and say, mm. Are you okay? That's, that's so important right now in the world that we currently find ourselves in. You, you kind of referenced this a little bit earlier and I, w- I do want to sort of delve into this a little bit deeper if we may because I think there are so many listeners right now who are probably will say they resonate with this as, as a bit of an issue. You talked about saying yes to, <laughs> to, to everything, to opportunities and that's very much been my, was my journey too and it, and it kind of nearly didn't end very well for me. So why do you think you said yes to everything? Is that just because you thought you had to or have you had a chance, you know, now that you've had time to reflect over a bit of your journey, what was it that made you say yes all the time? Was it nervousness? Was it insecurity? Was it just a feeling that you had to? That's an interesting question, Rob. Um, I guess the perception that in business that you have to give things a go and try things out. Mm. Was that a financially led thing, do you think? Was a feeling that you had to do it because if you didn't, you weren't making money? What? Probably. I, I have pondered this myself and, and there is no right, I don't necessarily think there is any right answer, but, but I think it does lead to some real danger, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's an interesting consideration, isn't it? It's um, I, I do think it would have been driven by certainly in early days when you first start your, your business and you think, gosh, I have to try everything out. And I think and I think that's probably what it was was trying out so many different 
aspects and saying yes to everything to try and work out because I had no plan, absolutely no plan, no idea, no no idea of going into business. My family is all traditional conservative government employees, so I had mm. no I had no roadmap or no guidelines and I didn't know that you said no to things. I guess I thought that's what you did. You just say yes and people gave you work and so you were grateful for those opportunities. But then after some time, of course, you realise you can't do everything or very soon you realise there's only 24 hours in a day unless someone else has discovered that there are more and I'd love to yeah. know the <laughs> yeah. how, how you did that. Mm, I tried but I couldn't find them. No. Yeah. So then you you suddenly realise, well, if I've got all these opportunities and I truly believe everyone has so many opportunities and I realise, well, there's so many, where do I, which ones do I pick? You have to decide. So I suddenly, I, I had to decide, am I going to go down this path or, or go down that path? So I realised, started realising the areas that I was more keen on doing and just decided to try out you know, group training sessions and started the, more the training consulting side of things rather than more the traditional or as well as bookkeeping but then realised that there were so many so many opportunities you just couldn't say yes to everything. And I, and I think that's what whilst we're talking about the dangers of saying yes, there's also the excitement of saying yes. We might come back to it but in latter years of my practice, I must admit I had a moment and it probably was only a few years ago, to be honest with you, it took me a long time to get there, where one day I actually said no to an opportunity or in particular to a client that was an opportunity. And I can remember feeling absolutely like almost liberated <laughs> afterwards, thinking, wow, I, I, I actually just said no and I feel great. You know, I think until sometimes you actually do it, there is an expectation that saying yes is the only way you can tackle it. Like you say, especially for many of, of our era, you know, it was kind of like frowned upon if you didn't grab every opportunity that came your way. Well, I've kind of learned as the years have gone by that that doesn't necessarily amount to success. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful. And I think there's different ways you can pose the no as well if, to feel comfortable or to try it out is it's no or that opportunity is not right for me at the moment. Contact me in 12 months' time or yeah. um, I can put you in touch with somebody else who's more available. I think there's no is a very strong word and depending on your upbringing it, it can be very hard to say. So mm. I think I probably had to learn different ways to say that, Rob, actually. Yeah. 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 I think it's... It comes easy to say yes, but you almost have to train yourself to say no. Mm. And um, and I can clearly see there are many out there who are feeling burnt out and there is a lot of work out there. There's absolutely no nothing sure at the moment, but I think a lot of that is just simply because so many of us just say yes when we should be saying no. So I want to also come back to something you said only a few moments ago and that was it, it probably took you a little while and, and, and again, you and I have had such a similar journey, I think, to come into a revelation, if we want to call it, that one of the opportunities within bookkeeping wasn't necessarily about sitting and, and crunching data, it was about educating around mm. bookkeeping. And and I know, I've been to Canberra and I've seen your setup and you kind of found yourself 
in a room with people and the first few times from what I can remember you telling me, you didn't quite feel totally at home. You were pretty nervous, but you soon found your mojo. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It was, I never imagined that I would go into the education space having originally trained as an accountant. So, and being, I always considered myself a back office shy person. And so the thought of delivering a training course was something I'd never, never considered ever. But then I thought I'd, there seemed to be a need for people wanting to not just have you do the bookkeeping itself, but to to learn how to, to run accounts and how to use different software products. So it just seemed like an opportunity at that stage and you know, like everything, I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go, try it out. And that's really what took off is, and I, I have to say, you know, I did some research and I looked at how people delivered courses and found out what was involved, but I always thought somebody else would deliver them, <laughs> but yeah. I ended up delivering them myself. So very nervous, very nervous. It, it And uh, often still at times it, when I'm presenting in front of large groups is still that nervousness comes up to the forefront and reminds me of my early days, but you learn strategies and I always think that you just, as somebody, I have a lot of wise people in um, my world over the years. A wise person once said to me, as long as you're always one step ahead of the, what you're teaching them. You know, yeah. In other words, you've always learnt the next yep. chapter before yep. they learn it. Then yep. that's a good, good place to be. Totally agree. You don't have to have learnt the whole book. You just need to be one chapter in front. Uh, absolutely, I agree with that and I probably... Uh, spent many a, a session teaching myself where I was literally only one step ahead of the students. I've always believed for as long as I've done it and we re, we worked out recently, you know, through seminars and courses and countless, you know, one-on-ones and stuff over many, many years. I think we're in the vicinity of me having taught over 10,000 people bookkeeping or MYOB in particular over that the majority of that journey and yet, I found on the occasions that I didn't actually feel nervous getting up, especially in front of a big group, you know, we will sometimes deliver to groups of 100 or so, that's when I probably wasn't at my best. I think I was always at my best and still am sometimes when I'm, I am a little bit nervous because mm. I think you're a little bit more alert and you're a little bit more on the ball. So um, some people associate nervousness with um an inability to deliver, but I don't agree. Yeah, and I think having that little bit of adrenaline surge puts the energy. I think Correct. training is also to not just about knowledge because I was very obsessed with knowing everything and dealing potential, with every potential question that might come up. But then I learned over the years it's not just about the knowledge because you can be so smart and so knowledgeable it's also about the delivery and engaging with people and making them feel yeah. comfortable because yep. not everyone's had a great experience at school. And so I think that's when I found my my passion and my enthusiasm was around that educational side of things because it's so, yep. so satisfying, and you would know Rob too being a trainer, it's so satisfying when 
somebody gets it, you know, that light bulb yeah. moment and they get excited and they go, oh, wow, I get this. Yes, yes, like the moment when somebody has gone, what do you mean the rules of debits and credits say that when the bank account increases, <laughs> it's a debit? You know, that one, yeah, I've lost count over the years how many people have liked and then suddenly, you know, uh, after a day or two, it's like, oh, I get it now. I get it, you know. So. Yeah. And <laughs> and also, too, I was so delighted as time went on, not only to get people excited about finance and the light mould moments, but I'd have to say a pivotal point in, in my educational experience was when the qualification came out for the Certificate 4 in bookkeeping. Yeah. To me, that was just such a such an important time in the financial sector, in the educational sector, because it meant that people who had never got qualifications in their life, had been doing finance work so well for so many years, could finally get recognition for what they were doing. I was so delighted. And that's what prompted us to become a registered training organisation. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gone through all the heartache of, you know, all the paperwork that's involved. But It was that point, that point that you've just made around the fact that, you know, the Cert 4, I'm thinking about 2008, eight nine was when that sort of started to really emerge, didn't it? Um, that was... That was absolutely the game changer for our industry. You know, a lot of people don't like the word industry. Let's go with community, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that that was the moment we really arrived. Up until that time, you know, I've talked about it and many others have talked about it, you know, that term, you're just a bookkeeper. You know, I think yeah. I think we really started to see a different moment and um, I'm glad you've raised that because um, I think historically we will look back, many of us in years to come and even now and go, that was the moment that bookkeeping really arrived here in Australia. And uh, you were an integral part of that, Pam Chilman, because you were were educating. So, um, Mm. and I think that's 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 one of the things that I wanted to sort of bring out in your story is the is the fact that bookkeeping doesn't have to just be about data entry, um, even though the majority of our listeners probably that's where they're at, and uh, you know we we celebrate that because that's that's the heart of bookkeeping. But bookkeeping extends itself in different ways, and certainly for you and I, we probably took it in a different direction, and and that opportunity exists for many going forward. I wanted to just touch a little bit on, um, I know somebody who probably I'm guessing has been the most influential person in your life across a long journey and somebody who was very, very, I know was very, very important to you. And that was your dad. Uh, tell us a little bit about dad. What, what, sorry, I, I've forgotten. What was dad's name? Um, dad's name was Ron. Ron, that's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he was a pretty important person and he did some pretty amazing things, I believe, in, mm-hmm. in Canberra. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Ron? Yeah, he, um, he introduced me to finance. So that was a good, good direction to uh, give me. He was a civil engineer and he was actually involved with the design of the Sydney fruit and veg markets, actually, mm. in early days. So he, when we were young, we went on a lovely overseas trip to look at the markets and travel around different places. So that was fantastic. And then when we settled in Canberra, he still did, he, he 
was high up in the what they called the National Development National Capital Development Commission, so involved with the input in the design in the sub suburban town centre areas in ACT. And then when he retired, he was also asked to be involved in, um, I guess it was a committee or a, a sort of a, a panel of advisors who worked on the National Museum of Australia as well. So he was held in high regard for his his opinions and his, his work ethic uh, and his skills, of course. So, yeah, he's been influential throughout my life, but sadly passed away five years ago, so I miss him a lot. Mm. But um, have lots of great memories of him and he would always keep us all in check, all the family, and he would, yeah, he, he was he would just listen to you and give you some insights that maybe you hadn't thought about. So it was a great person to talk to. I know, and again, we, we you and I have such a similar journey because uh, I also was very influenced by my dad and he also passed away not too long before your dad. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me, I, I had some real struggles after that and and I think it was similar for you from memory I know that even from a from the point of view of what you were doing and and uh, the educational piece that you'd built so strongly mm. you you kind of reached a bit of a pivotal point yeah so five years ago and the business had been running for quite some time of course and I guess you suddenly look at things and go what's it all about and he passed away on the 29th of June so a fairly busy time of yeah. year you know for some yeah. of and uh, and you think you know the business was so reliant on me I thought just the feeling of not being able to take a week off only taking days off to deal with all the family arrangements it, I just got, I, I think I just had enough mm. and I started, you know, quite like most people, you get tired and run down and lack the drive and I think it was at that point that I suddenly realised that I'd had enough of being the only, being the main person driving the business and that I needed to look at making some changes. I needed to find a way in which I could share the load, take time off if I needed to and we dabbled in early years of finding partners. Uh, we had a partner in Sydney for a while. It was a total disaster uh, in early days. And we've, we've tried, we've looked at other different options as well. But um, what I decided to do was find, find um, another organisation or, or other people that were aligned with the same views that I had around the industry and, and also work at a transition plan too because I, you know, I guess eventually, you know, you want to retire or have an exit plan or, or work out and have some support. I just felt that it was always about me and leading the team. So we've I've gone through that process and we're now part of a bigger group and we've got other staff as well and lots of diversity and I've got a transition plan. So mm. a lot of the responsibility has been taken away from me, which I love. I can get on with focusing on training and focusing on what I do and supporting the clients and have others driving the, the growth of the business and having that extra support has just taken the pressure off me enormously. 
it's it's been great. I'm really it wasn't easy to start with to find the right fit, um, but I, I'd have to say it's been the best thing to take the pressure off and, and not be so stressed about being able to take time off. I'm currently on leave as we speak. Yes, you are. Yeah, I, you're in sunny. Is it you in Ballina? Is that correct? Or yeah, just yeah. between halfway between Ballina and uh, Byron Bay. Currently in yes. lockdown. I'd have to say, yeah. mm, but sadly, not, not a bad place to be in lockdown though. <laughs> <laughs> no. So yeah. So just going back a few steps, I think. One of the call-outs that you've made there, which I think is so important right now for many of our listeners, is that it doesn't necessarily mean that you have failed if you change course and go in a different direction. You know, in some cases, that could possibly be the best thing you ever do. And for many of us, sadly, it takes a, might take a tragedy or it might take, you know, in my case, a, a, a critical health incident to kind of make you go, hang on, what what am I doing again and why am I doing this, you know, sort of thing. That's That doesn't diminish anything you've previously done, but it's just a pivotal moment in your life where you can go, I've got other options. There are other things I can do and still be successful and potentially more content. And, and so I guess that's what I want to ask you now and you've kind of already answered the question, you know, life is good at the moment. You, you know, you're happy and things are going along nicely for Pam Gilman. Yeah, and I, I think that's the great thing, picking up on what you were saying before, it, it, it is life is about choice and choosing to go down different directions and be happy, you know, they might not always work out, but to have the choice is, is we, yeah. we're so lucky in this country. We, we do have lots of choice and we have lots of choice in business and we can choose not to be in business, we can choose to be employees, but I think... That's, you know, we've got to feel comfortable with that choice. You've got to ultimately work that out yourself too, I think. I mean, mm. you can you can do seminars, you can listen to podcasts, which we're encouraging obviously everybody to do in this instance and, and here you've talked about others giving wise words. I think you've given some amazing wise words yourself today, Pam, but ultimately listening is really important but you have to make that decision. No one else can make it for you. Yeah, um, so and we had our challenges like everyone else did with um, the last 18 months. We chose to keep running courses, but we deliver, we adapted them and we turned them into online training sessions. So they yep. were live online sessions and we've still continued with some of them. No, not, all, not all of them were successful and not all of them people were interested in. I spent a lot of time in front of the computer screen, so wasn't very happy about all of that last year. <laughs> Um, but I guess you just got to try things out and if it doesn't work, you just try something else and find find what ticks your box or so yeah no, happy now and I, I just the only thing that I'm I guess at the moment is just that we can't be closer to family. I've got family who are across yeah. the border. I've got a family who are as a frontline worker and uh, it's it's really challenging for them at the moment, both of my daughters. And, yeah, we'd all like to be closer to people and I guess we just have it's, – it's about working out what we can do to um, to stay close to them, to, to all keep our sanity and uh, keep in touch with people. Keeping in touch with people. We're starting to get towards the back end of our uh, time together. I'm very sad because, as I do with all of these, I wish I could have another couple of hours because I'm absolutely <laughs> loving this, Pam. But talking of – 
keeping in touch with other people and people who play a role in our lives. So I asked you for a bit of a list, just a very brief list of some people that have clearly had some influence in your life and especially in your bookkeeping journey and you listed um, two, we'll say, heavy hitters that are currently uh, associated with the Institute and that's, of course, Matthew Addison and Colin Walker. Um, they, they've both been subjects of Heart of the Bookkeeper podcast, so we won't go into their stories because they you can go back and listen to those episodes uh, two and three, I think they were. Um, but somebody else you listed here just uh, is very topical, very, very topical for those who may be listening to this uh, a little bit down the track. At the time of recording this podcast, the Olympics have only just finished uh, two days ago. And somebody that you've listed as being both a, a, a friend and somebody who's been an inspiration to you is a is an Olympian, Carolyn Buchanan. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about Carolyn. I think some may already know Carolyn's journey in the Olympics. Yeah, Caroline Buchanan is a fantastic young woman. Our we're family friends, and our daughters grew up together. And they've an amazing story if you want to read about getting through some challenging times. Uh, Caroline's family lost their house in the fires in Canberra um, many years ago when they were young, over 10 years ago. And they also lost her, she also lost her grandparents' house as well, same suburb in, in ACT. And then uh, Caroline is a BMX racer, so she's BMX and uh, various different bike races. She had a fall about a year or so ago and she had um, significant operations, chest operations, because a quad bike fell on top of her and Mm -hmm. uh, almost killed her. And... Yet she's back training, uh, didn't quite make it to qualify for the Olympics, is she? She was an Olympian uh, last Olympics. She she did race, but she had a fall. In Rio, yes, I remember watching that, yeah. Yep, heartbreaking to see that. And yet she is just such a delightful young lady and she gives back to the community. She's got a a fantastic community that she supports of young up-and-coming BMX girls and she supports them through various channels and just fantastic. So if you uh, would like to read a little bit about her, just jump online and I'm sure you'll get on. lots yeah. of details. Still does, she, she's just an amazing young woman and it speaks well too if you ever want to hear yeah. her speak well at an event. She's fantastic. I have seen an online event where she spoke and, yeah, so get on it, folks, Caroline Buchanan, and uh, you can associate her with Pam Chilman because they're uh, they're very close friends and it's certainly been an influence in your life. All right, we are at the back end of all of this and um, you may be aware, certainly the regular listeners are aware that um, we finish each show with a little um, game, you might call it, that I've called debits and credits, you know, <laughs> obviously very topical. So the debit. Uh, the, we always start the debit line, don't we? You would have taught that over yes. the journey, I'm sure, Pam. You know, you always start with the debit line. You yep. know, you can't start with the credit line. You yep. got to start with the debit line. So my first question to you, how how important do you believe bookkeeping training is? So many bookkeepers stumble into their 
their journey as a bookkeeper and just sort of learn on the go, you know, with clients or trying to fumble around. Do you, do you believe every bookkeeper or most bookkeepers at some point should commit to some form of training? And of course, most go through the cert four. So we'll we'll put that to one side. You know, if you're going to be a BAS agent, for example. But outside of that, do you think ongoing training is something that bookkeepers should commit to? Absolutely. I'm in that profession, so I can't say (laughs) not, Um, but absolutely. And I think you stop learning, you stop growing. Doesn't matter what age, does it? It doesn't matter what age. So amen to that. I'm obviously on that same uh, train as you, uh, I think. One of the things that I'm really trying to continue to grow at ICB is that opportunity, doesn't matter what stage you're at with your bookkeeping journey, to engage with more training and to be able to get those opportunities to learn that little nugget that you'll be able to use out there wherever that might be. All right, good answer to the first debit. So we move to a credit. Okay, so a little bit more fun. This is a bit of a loaded question. Okay, I've got to tell you now. Tell tell the listeners, tell me, tell us something about Pam Chilman that possibly a lot of people don't know that has nothing to do with bookkeeping but has something to do with, let's say, bubbles maybe? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so for those who might have attended a conference or two with me or socially interacted, they might have discovered that I'm a bit partial to a glass of champagne. (laughs) A bit partial? (laughs) Go on, sorry. (laughs) So I discovered that I was great at organising tasting sessions with my girlfriends and, in fact, it kept me sane on a Friday afternoon when kids uh, kids were little and we all used to get together. And so... It ended up turning into a little bit more of a serious venture. And and so my tasting sessions turned into a little bit more of a serious venture. And I now run a pop-up champagne bar on the weekends from a vintage Citroen van. Oh, wow. It's called The House of Bubbles for anyone who'd like to follow us on Facebook. The House of Bubbles. Okay, get on it, folks. Get on it. The House of Bubbles, right, eh? It's lots of fun and I get to chat to people and pour champagne and talk about drinks and it's it's lots of fun. And I have to say it counterbalances my seriousness during the week. And I love it. And it's yeah, it is lots of fun. Keeps me a little very busy, but it's lots of fun. Absolutely love it. That's brilliant. And and uh, you've just triggered a memory. You also might have, am I right, authored a little ebook about champagne? Is that true? Or... Yeah, I need to update it, but I have um, just a short little booklet and yeah. probably something that I could do in my retirement. Maybe it's just an <laughs> idea or on my holidays. <laughs> Look at you go. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, back to the debits. Maybe this one might be a short one. Let's see how we go. One piece of advice for current bookkeepers who are feeling pressure, and we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but I just feel as though we, we seem to be in a period of time where the word pressure is is upon our industry, community. What's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who's feeling that right now? Tough question, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is because it depends on where you're at. And I think at the moment it would be if you're feeling overwhelmed. There's probably two things I'd like to say is one is if you are feeling overwhelmed, remember you have choice. Yeah. Great call. And I think the other thing would be if I could steal another, can I steal another half a debit? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, yeah. We might. Um, yeah, the balance is looking a bit wonky. Yeah. <laughs> retained earnings. We'll put some in retained earnings. That's yeah, right. <laughs> and I guess if you are, again, if you're feeling challenged or overwhelmed, whatever the word is, and you're trying to get through something, I always would ask myself, I would think about my words I used and how I would have my conversations and try and ask the right question. In other words, instead of saying, can I do this or what would that look like or is that possible, the whole if type, you know, is that possible, can I do that? Instead I would ask the question or think about asking how can I do it, not if I can do something. Mm, that's good. Yeah, great stuff. Please listen to that advice because it's really, really good advice. Last one, we've got to balance that ledger even though some of it's spilled over into uh, retained earnings or wherever <laughs> it's landed. Um, I gave this question to Brooke Arnott in the last episode and I was a bit harsh because I asked her for three. I'm just going to ask you for one, okay? You, you've got the ability tonight to have one person from history or current, anybody you like, over for tea. Who would that be? If you could have just one person, anyone, sports person, politician, whatever you want, who would it be and why? Oh, gosh, I'd probably want to have so many because I'd need to yeah. pour champagne for them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, no, you're only allowed one. Oh. Um, the person that comes to mind at the moment because we're talking bookkeeping, I have to say. Yeah. Well, again, yep. I, I want a couple. Can I share? Uh, <laughs> Go on. Go on then. All right. The, the, the ledge is clearly not going to balance this time around anyway, so go for it. Um, I, I, oh, can, I always want to go down a different path, Rob, here. Um, I always want to go down a path that you're not asking. Um, I'd actually love to have all the people who started the key software programs in the room. I'd love yeah. to have, you know, the, the founders of MYOB, the founders of Zero, the founders of Attaché and hang out with all of those guys and have a conversation about what inspired them. I never saw that coming. So there you go. I was thinking, you know, George Clooney or, uh, you know, <laughs> the Queen or somebody like that. But no, 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 you've gone with the founders of the softwares. I yeah, love that. And yeah, it's really good. And particularly uh, people like Craig Winkler, who was mm -hmm. co-founder of MYAB originally and then invested in Zero. Yeah. Who you rarely hear of current, well, not in the public arena. And he's doing a lot of philanthropic work and he's used his success and investment to to put back and yeah into the community which without making a lot of noise about it so fabulous guy fabulous guy craig yep um, yeah. huge respecter for craig over the for over the journey and got to to know him a little bit way back in the day 
Pam Chilman, thank you so much for this time. We've really, really appreciated, as we do with all our guests, but you've been extremely uh, willing and insightful in, in your wisdom that you've brought to uh, today's session of Heart of the Bookkeeper. You've uh, clearly exposed your heart to us today and we, we love that and we celebrate that on this podcast. And Pam, we want to wish you all the very best for the future. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today. Thank you. It's been delightful to chat, Rob, as always. We totally celebrate people like Pam Chilman and their incredible contribution to the Australian bookkeeping community. Thank you, Pam, for today. You are an absolute inspiration and I know that your big desire is to help the next generation of bookkeepers coming through, minus a Kalamazoo perhaps. Unfortunately, in a late-minute revelation, it appears my member number, Pam, number 25, is actually lower than yours, so we're going to have to give that one to me, I'm afraid. But a big shout-out to you, and we have absolutely all the best wishes for you in your life moving forward. We also want to take this opportunity to give a big shout-out to everybody, wherever you are in the world listening to this, who may be in isolation due to the pandemic. We are absolutely praying for you and hoping that you are safe and well. And we hope that you are finding solace and enjoyment in tuning into Heart of the Bookkeeper. And I encourage you to look forward very soon to Episode 9 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. And we love your heart.